This is Habwonk. I'm Joe Salvaggi. Welcome to Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. Despite reporting daily delays, closures, and accidents, the MBTA begs the exasperated public's patience, assuring all that its current culture of transparency and accountability will soon rectify decades of neglect. But has the culture at the T really changed? To wit, after submitting to and receiving an arbitration award with its largest union for its retirement fund, the MBTA refused to release the award details to the public. The public's concern over the T's retirement fund centers on the $1.4 billion gap in its obligations to its present and future retirees, all of which risks falling to the taxpayers absent substantial reforms to its structure. After receiving a public record request from Pioneer Legal, a public interest law firm, a week after the award was produced, the T resisted releasing the document for another seven months. This record denial persisted despite Pioneer Legal's additional request to the state's supervisor of records and a suit in Superior Court. It was only after a petition to a single judge on the appeals court that the MBTA released the award document, finally giving the public access to arbitration results for a public agency. This lack of transparency regarding a $1.4 billion potential public liability casts doubt on whether the culture at the MBTA genuinely embraces the notion of accountability. How can riders, taxpayers, and policymakers trust the T's leadership when the T's leadership is demonstrably reluctant to release important documents to the public? My guest today is John LaLiberté, the attorney for Pioneer Legal, who spearheaded the struggle to have access to the MBTA's arbitration award. John will share how his seventh month struggle to gain access to a public document was met with indifference, specious legal defenses, and procedural dead ends, and how the tireless temerity of Pioneer Legal led the MBTA to ultimately release the award details to the public. When I return, I'll be joined by attorney for Pioneer Legal, John LaLiberté. Okay, we're back. I'm Joe Salvaggi, this is Hubwonk, and I'm now pleased to be joined by attorney for Pioneer Legal, John LaLiberté. Welcome to Hubwonk, John. Thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, well, it's uh, terrific to have you uh, here from a Pioneer Legal. Uh, we're recording not long after uh, a, a, a lot of hard work on your part. You had spent a lot of time uh, trying to get information about um, the arbitration agreement between the MBTA and its uh, main union, the Carmen's Union. Uh, I, I want to make sure I have the right legal term. It was an interlocutory appeal of the denial of a motion for an order requiring compliance with the public records law. So I'll get that out of the way early on and make sure uh, uh, we use the proper terms. But before we dive into the topic of the, of today, let's uh, let you share with our listeners. You're only the second guest from Pioneer Legal on Hubwonk. Tell us a little more about Pioneer Legal's mission and some of, some of your work there. Pioneer Legal is our, uh, the name that we're, um, operating under is Pioneer Public uh, Interest Law Center, um, is a, uh, a public policy um, uh, law firm, public interest law firm, um, geared toward um, a government accountability, accountability, transparency, um, uh, responsible uh, government, uh, uh, 
advocating for the constitutional, uh, both federal and state rights of, of individuals who might not otherwise be, have a voice because of the economics of lit litigation and the like. Um, so we're advocating for the small guy and trying to keep um, government transparent and responsible to um, Commonwealth voters and uh, voters throughout the United States. That sounds like a good cause. Uh, as you say, advocating for the little guy against the biggest of all big guys, uh, state government, federal government. So it's a David and Goliath. And but for your work, uh, these uh, smaller interests would not be uh, would not have a voice in the legal system. So uh, we're thrilled to be part or connected to Pioneer Legal. All right, we're going to talk about your um, your uh, request that is ultimately granted for access to the. Um, agreement between the MBTA and its union about uh, essentially the how their pension is run. You know how uh, who pays into it, when they can retire, when they leave. Uh, this is something that uh, was decided back in August of 2022, almost a year ago, uh, and you spent a long time trying to get access to it. So I want to unwind all the details because this was a lot of work, and I think it has a, subs uh, a substantial. Um, uh, source of interest for our listeners. Uh, we do talk about the MBTA a lot, and this is a big part of it. So let's start at the beginning. Um, pensions are a bono contention, I'm sure, for all unions, all workers. How does it normally work uh, between the union and something like the MBTA? Is, is arbitration always the case, or do this, from time to time they come to uh, an ordinary agreement? Um, my understanding is it's, it's not uncommon to uh, be forced to get to arbitration but i know historically the trade the uh, local 589 in the M mbta have reached a series of collective bargaining agreements relative to the pension plan uh but we're unable to do so uh during an extended period of time running from 2018 forward um and that necessitated by agreement by both the union and by the MBTA to select um, an arbitrator, uh, Ms. Neumeyer, as a, a, a decision maker um, once they re uh, reached an, uh, an impasse. And that occurred um, in 2022. Uh, we know that there was a series of, of hearings over several months, and ultimately she issued an arbitration award dated uh, August 23rd, 2022. So, um, so John, I just want to sorry. unpack, I want to, for our listeners' benefit, just in yep. case they're not familiar with this concept, you have two sides that reach an impasse. They, they they don't see any way to ultimately agree, so they go to what we hope is an arbitrary, uh, um, an objective uh, 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 third party, one that has neither side's interest, uh, and it, it, for, forgive me if this is a generalization, but it's almost like a trial where you have a, a defendant or a plaintiff and you are sort of making your best case to this arbiter uh, who decides who's got the better case. It, it, roughly speaking, is that the concept behind arbitration? Yes, it's a private litigation, unlike uh, one in a superior court or whatever, but it's typically a private uh, but it is litigation. Uh, evidence is submitted. There is testimony by witnesses. And the arbiter is essentially a private judge who uh, is um, the parties have submitted or agreed that, that that person will make a final decision on their pending dispute and will issue a judgment or an arbitration award in this instance. That's correct. 
That's right. So you have a judge and they make a decision. And in theory, everybody's got to live with that decision. As you say, they made a be their best case. They, I actually have access to it. It came out two days ago. So I, I was actually intrigued to read it and really, really good stuff. I'm impressed by, as you say, Ms. Niemeyer's, uh, um, uh, you know, thoughts and, and, and conclusions. So let's, let's go a little bit deeper. Um, uh, when you know there's hardly a day that goes by where we don't read something about the T's dysfunction. Let's on a high level. Why do you think so? They had this agreement. Uh, it, it was developed, as you say, back in um, August 26th. But uh, obviously, the T knew about it. The union knew about what the uh, arbit arbiter had decided, but nobody else did. It was sort of uh, it wasn't available to the public. Let's start from the abstract. Why do you think uh, the public needed to know? what the determination of the arbitrator was. Why I can uh, know at least why Pioneer Institute and Pioneer Legal were um, seeking production of the arbitration award was uh, it's well publicized, the dysfunction of, of the MBTA and um, the fact that even since set forth in the award that there's an un underfunded pension liability of close to $1.4 billion. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that the, the, there's more um, money being paid out to write retirees of the MBTA than is being paid in at this point. And any deficit that is underfunded is kind of, go, would have to come from the Commonwealth, meaning you, me, and any other taxpayer in the Commonwealth. And <clears throat> uh, the thrust of the public records request was to get access to this arbitration award and determine uh, because what occurred chronologically is the arbitration award was issued. Pioneer Institute submitted its public record request within a, a matter of days of, within a week of gaining knowledge of the arbitration award. And then shortly thereafter, um, Local 589 commenced a lawsuit in Suffolk Superior Court seeking to set aside the arbitration award. Oh, so, John, and, just, let me uh, yeah. let's let's take that one one piece at a time. So, um, what we're talking about is uh, the reason all of our listeners should care what was in that agreement. In that is that uh, as it currently stands, the difference between what the the T owes to its workers in their retirement and what the T has to give them, and as far as current money and future uh, money that they intend to collect is about $1.4 billion. And uh, without proper, let's say, fixes, uh, that bill will shift to the taxpayers. And as you say, that's $1.4 billion less to spend on other important things like schools or infrastructure, right? This is a huge uh, number that we should all, all our listeners should care about. Uh, and at the very least, if the T is trying to sort out its problems, uh, the public who's underwriting these problems should know what's going on. You know, is, is that a fair characterization? Very oh, fair oh. statement. Yep. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, as you alluded to, it's it's what is going to in the arbitration award. How was the, uh, the, the negotiations or award um, uh, setting different rights of either the workers or the MBTA to help manage in part uh, um, um, what the, uh, the underfunded liability would be and how was that going to be dealt with prospectively. And um, 
as you'll note in the arbitration award, there was a significant decision uh, or ruling in that award where the arbiter uh, changed the arbitration or the retirement age of certain retirees um, from age 55 to 65 as a way of delaying payouts to uh, to uh, potential retirees and, and inserting a penalty, if you will, or uh, uh, a 6% reduction in retirement amount if they retired before age 65, which is a completely different change than what had occurred in the past where the retirement age had been 55. So um, I don't have any independent verification or knowledge of current negotiations, but there was a news report last month from the Herald indicating that uh, notwithstanding that being a, a victory, if you will, for the MBTA in the arbitration award, subsequent to the issuance of that award, the MBTA and uh, Local 589 continued negotiations. And if the reports are true, that 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 win for the MBTA on that particular issue uh, is no more, and it's uh, it's back to the age fifty five retirement age. And so, let's linger a little bit on how we got from this arbitration award, which was, as we set out on the outset, you, you agree to arbitration, and then you also agree that whatever the arbitration determination agreement is, you you live by it. And as you say, not long after that, everything was agreed upon. The union said, you know, even though we agreed to arbitration, we're not happy with the result. I read the uh, the the judgment, and it seemed to be very very friendly to to the union's interest. Meaning, look, um, you guys make a heck of a case for um, uh, against the MBTA that uh, you know you you should get your request honored, but the arbitration person had as her mandate that they had to consider the dire economic circumstances of the T. Meaning. Uh, all things being equal, we just went through a, a pandemic where ridership went down by something like 90% and costs went up, I think only by 6%, but up is up. Uh, and that there's this whole gaping hole in the in the system. Um, you know, that to me was what was supposed to steer this arbitration in, in one direction or another. And again, this, this problem with um, the pension fund was really not a values or you know, power. It was just math and actuarial uh, thing. And and she was mandated to take into account not just that dire straits is, uh, of finance and, and all, but she was also uh, asked to look at other public pension management systems and other public transportation systems. So she looked at the rest of the state and their pensions, and she's looked at other cities and their mass transit. And she said, hold on there. Uh, we're good in some ways and really bad in others. To me, uh, you know, she really took the time to consider each aspect. And the one glaring difference between our T's pension and everybody else's is the retirement age. So say more about, you know, you said some people were, um, you know, we move retirement 55 to 65. Say more about why that's so important or why why that's such a, a, a bone of contention with, with the union. It's reminiscent of what we're seeing in France. It, it, you, you, you extend the age, you're, you're going to have to work longer um, uh, to invest, if you will, and, and get uh, your full pension um, if the age had been set by 65. And what that does is extends the period of time where workers are contributing to their own retirement and also delays 
money coming out of the pension fund at the same time. So what accomplished is in in part, it's not the complete Band-Aid, but it is a, a tool whereby it would address the underfunded status of the pension, which we now to be no now know to be about $1.4 billion. So in essence, what you're doing is keeping more money going in um, as workers are are, are extended uh, and their retirement age is, is extended, um, and also keeping that money in for a longer period of time, and hopefully return on investment and uh, more worker coming back into the MBTA workforce, we start to address the underfunded status in less uh, state contributions as a result. Yes, I, I, again, this is an important point. I, those uh, uh, people who ask for my advice as far as uh, financial planning, when we, they ask questions like, when should I take uh, Social Security uh, or when should I start taking from my retirement? Um, it's a it's a double whammy if you retire early. It's not just merely that you've had less time to put money into your nest egg. It's that you're pulling it out earlier and you've got a longer retirement. So if you work for 30 years and you have to support 30 years of retirement, that's a tough nut to crack. If you work for 40 years after retirement, uh, you know, collect for 20 years of retirement, the math seems to work. I think that's what you're saying. It's just a simple fact yes. that um, the MBTA needs expertise. It needs uh, its workers. Uh, it's it's shy on workers right now. Uh, if they were to be asked to work till 65, which is, you know, uh, as we get healthier, um, it seems like a reasonable thing. They'd be contributing 10 more years and they wouldn't be withdrawing 10 more years. And frankly, they'd have actuarially speaking, 10 less years of retirement, right? Uh, there, you know, that that that's the basic contours of, of the math. Um, so, um, so let's let's back up a little bit and say, okay, look, whether good or bad, or whether everybody's happy, why do you think the uh, T would come to the uh, table, have an arbitrate, have an arbitration agreement, and then keep that arbitration agreement secret? I mean, that's at the essence of our question. If if everything else were true and nothing else were changed and they simply released the results of the arbitration we wouldn't be having this conversation why did they you again this is speculation but in your mind why would they not make this public agreement public it is speculation but also it, it's i do rely upon what the statements that uh, counsel for the mbta articulated during the course of the superior court action is that they wanted to refrain from publishing the arbitration award because they wanted an ability to have it not public knowledge why they continued their collective bargaining agreement with uh, the local 589. Basically, they didn't want anybody in the public looking over their shoulder as they negotiated away from what was obtained during the course of the or as a part of the arbitration. So public scrutiny would say, okay, good deal, bad deal. They, you know, the, the public, I'm sure, would opine and, and have their two cents. But nevertheless, uh, if they're going back to the table, what what knowing what's in that agreement provides context for onlookers, people perhaps looking over shoulders as to how things are going, whether the MBTA is, you know, uh, holding its ground or or, or not. Um, now I want to get to the crux of your hard work of the last seven months. You 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 the agreement is made. You ask for the details of the agreement. I, I think you waited a week, perhaps, right? Um, and then started your your case. And I, I have it in front of me. The uh, as I say, the interlocutory appeal. You made three K, three points in there. Uh, and I want for our listeners' benefit to to hear both 
what the MBTA made as their case for privacy and your challenge to that. So if you will, again, this is from a, a lay person. Um, there are three reasons for relief. Um, first being the Superior Court erred in finding the arbitration award is exempt from disclosure as a document that allegedly is subject to dispute in active litigation. Uh, well, let's take them one at a time. Why is that not a valid reason to keep this uh, agreement secret? Um, well, the, it, the issue is whether or not the document is a public record. And it's largely there's the Superior Court case law out there that you know, the fact that a document may or may not be related to litigation, but notwithstanding that is a public record, um, is still subject to publication. There's several cases out, uh, that have been published and that required that the, the, the whatever governmental agency involved that they produce a certain document and whether whatever that might be. But here, um, what you're referring to is we appealed a, a superior court's decision uh, allowing uh, the MBTA to withhold production of the document. And one of the um, uh, errors we we submitted as, as we thought the um, respectfully, the superior court judge uh, made a mistake as a rule of law, there's a um, uh, mass regulation that applies to the record supervisor. So in the public records law procedures, um, a person seeking a public record submits a written request for a public record. And the agency uh, under the statute is given is is given a 10-day period from which to re reply to that request. Um, and if they don't or they refuse to um, uh, produce a document or documents, there's an appeal procedure to, to uh, what is called the record supervisor, who is a separate entity uh, or office from the under the auspices of the um, Secretary of State's office, uh, uh, William Galvin's office. And so what happens is if we were denied and that occurred in this case, you've appealed to the record supervisor. And there's regulations that apply to the record supervisor and one of them is is that the that if a case is an active litigation that the record supervisor can decline to opine on the merits of a records request but that regulation only applies to the record supervisor there's a, a whole other aspect of the statute that authorizes pioneer institute or pioneer legal the requester if it's denied for whatever reason to go back to the superior court and get an order mandating that the record be uh, produced irrespective of whether or not it's in litigation. And that regulation has no, is not directed to the superior court and it has no presidential value or does not limit the discretion that a superior court has um, to issue an, uh, an order mandating that a document be, be, be produced. So that's why we argued that as a as a one issue with that it was a wrong as a matter of law so that so what you're saying is um, merely because it's in dispute does not make it private you you must disclose regardless of whether someone likes it or not you know it, it, um it's it, the document exists on its own all right the second point was superior court erred in finding the arbitration award is exempt from disclosure as a document that supposedly writes relates quote solely unquote to the MBTA's internal personnel rules and practices and that the proper performance of necessary governmental functions requires that it not be disclosed. So I think what the MBTA is asserting there is 
this is private stuff. We don't want to like disclose what's going on, you know, how, how we run the show, how we manage our personnel. This is, this is our internal uh, matters, not, not for the public public's eye. What would you say to that defense? This is what is referred to as exemption B, but the statute says that the, the document shall be solely related to internal personnel rules and practices. Um, shortly after the enactment of the public records law, the record supervisor that I, I mentioned before um, issued a public guidance in 1978 and talked about the narrowness of that exemption. And it said in, in Opine, then it was a limited well, one of limited application that relates only to documents which, which are concerned with subject matters such as parking facilities, lunchrooms, individual use, or sick leave. Really narrow stuff that, you know, um, and federal cases uh, um, that analyze the FOIA analog to this uh, statute have come to the same conclusion. It's merely internal. IR or HR type of stuff that have, have should be and have no of minimal interest to the public that that government entities shouldn't be required to uh, apply. Where, however, a document relates not to just those matters but other matters, including taxpayers being on the on the uh, on the uh, firing line for paying the underfunded pension liabilities. Would, would would construe the arbitration award as not being covered by this exemption. So that's what we argue, that this that, that, that arbitration award um, related to and is involved uh, much more than internal or mere internal uh, HR type of uh, uh, things that you would deal with employees. It had much broader implications, but uh, unfortunately, Superior Court did not agree with us. Um, well, well, I think, again, then the third point, I think, ties all the other points up with an, in a nice bow, and we've kind of already answered it, which is the Superior Court erred, erred in discounting the strong immediate public interest in allowing MBTA writers, taxpayers, and members of the union to review, evaluate, and publicly discuss the merits of one of the proposed solutions to the uh, problem of the MBTA's underfunded pension plan. Uh, which will have a significant impact on our local transit system, our public spending on mass transit, and the finances of affected workers. So, you, you know, you're saying, look, it's, you know, it, it's important. We need to know. It's not just academic. It's not, um, as you say, related to some internal uh, minor debate about, you know, when lunch hours are. This is $1.4 billion of public money. Uh, a, you know, you say that right there in black and white um, that this this document matters and we need to see it. I mentioned earlier that you know, in, when I read the the finally released arbitration uh, agreement, um, it was very very interesting, and now everybody can indeed look at it. Um, what you, you as you you pointed out at the top of the show, this document was finally voluntarily released. What do you think really ultimately cracked the code? You're you're, you're fighting, you know, as you say, David and Goliath. Why did uh, the um, MBTA, I guess that would be the MBTA, released this information? Was it uh, they got tired of fighting? They saw they were going to get a losing argument or, you know, did did you just get lucky or? The reason for withholding as articulated by the MBTA was that it would need, they needed time to continue their collective bargaining agreement, uh, collective bargaining sessions with the local 589 and if as and when those were concluded, they would produce the arbitration award. Um, I know that um, last month, the local 589 
voted to approve some form of collective bargaining agreement that um, abdicated some of the rulings in the arbitration award. But I have not seen any public reports about the MBTA board approving it or there being a conclusion of those, that collective bargaining agreement. But uh, based upon those statements, I would, the fact that we received the award the day we filed our single justice appeal, I'm presuming that the MBTA in some way, shape or form has reached a, a point where in their negotiations with the local 589 that they were comfortable producing the, the award at this point um, and made that decision. So, um, you know, could it be that they were trying to avoid further litigation on this as because we were prosecuting the single justice? Perhaps. Um, I'd like to think so, but um, I, I don't, I can't say with any degree of certainty what, what, what the circumstances were. Sure. So they had, I, I think that's an important point. They said, look, we'll show you this arbitration agreement later on when we finally do our collective bargaining at, at the results. And perhaps the, then the public could compare and contrast, you know, agreement one with agreement two. You got it early. Do you think in any way the public having access to this now uh, will affect how the uh, MBTA votes on the uh, new um, collective bargaining agreement? Meaning, have you, have you, influenced the, the process or merely just informed the public about what the process is? I think we've, we started the information process. I know Pioneer Institute recently published um, a synopsis of what is in the arbitration award and, 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 and why it, the any change from it may uh, be a matter of public concern. Um, I think it remains to be seen as to uh, what folks that are are much more knowledgeable in the pension area or, or uh, involved in oversight of the MBTA, if they're armed with this information, what they can do to um, hold folks accountable and explain the reasons why they're making the decisions that they're making relative to this new collective bargaining agreement. Are we entitled to the details of the collective bargaining agreement? Because I'm very curious when, you know, if I'm the union leader and we, we're dealing with math and I, again, I read the agreement, they, you know, there's some challenges to what the expected return could be for the uh, pension fund and all these kinds of minor details clipping away at the uh, edges. But, you know, the big gaping hole in the funding seems to be obvious. And so if, if substantial changes aren't made to the way the folks who pay in and take out are made, you know, what could the, what could uh, the union possibly have as an alternative are they are they challenging the math or are they just saying look somebody else has to pay 1.4 billion dollars uh, in the future not us i think it's the latter i mean they're you know it's they're unhappy with uh, they want their early retirement age and uh, they want it to be as it as it was um you know it's a good deal so why try to give it up or hold on to it as as as, as long as in as hard as you can um yeah you know, i i I know the collective bargaining uh, uh, process is is meant uh, to be behind closed doors. Those are not subject to public scrutiny. Um, but if, as and when the um, MBTA board is holds a meeting for the purposes of ratifying any collective bargaining agreement, those dis those terms should be discussed with uh, in in a, in a public meeting and. Uh, questions I think could be asked of the board why they are uh, why are they acting in a certain way when we have this arbitration award that says otherwise if they're going to approve for instance the lower retirement or yes they uh, allow the lower retirement age that otherwise that was set forth in the arbitration award. Now um, 
in the in the court of public opinion, which I think we all live in, um, it seems to me you know, on this podcast, uh, look, I'm I'm a hardcore city mouse. You know, I use the T, uh, and uh, I won't say I love it. it it's it's not good, um, but I, I keep rooting for it. And we've had guests on who said, look, uh, the problem with the T didn't start today or yesterday or a week ago. It's a long uh, history of neglect, and it's trying to dig itself out of this massive hole. Deferred maintenance and all kinds of problems. That said, wouldn't the MBTA uh, want to, in the court of public opinion, seem to be as forthright and as cooperative and as above board as possible? In other words, shouldn't they be making their own case, saying, "Look, we've got problems, but we're doing our best in the light of day to fix them in a in a, a sincere, honest, and, and well-intentioned way." What possible benefit could uh, trying to keep their negotiations secret? at the risk of of you know undermining the the public's faith in them this has to be both you know regardless of the findings of the arbitration keeping secrets from the public is not going to win you uh, hearts and minds for people who are pretty upset with all these delays and crashes and you know you know it, you know what's going on like are are they blind to this the the, the optics of this particular case it, I think the lack of transparency um, is endemic with our our state and local government. And I think it's just, uh, in an ideal world, Joe, yes. I mean, I think the, uh, 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 if they were really want to burnish and polish their perception within the public, um, a new day has arrived and we are going to be transparent. We, we're, we're, do, we're making these decisions relative to the uh, pension agreement for X, Y, and Z reasons. And they would explain themselves in an open and honest fashion as to what, was, what is occurring. So um, um, we can make informed decisions and, and either jump on board or not. Um, I, I just think it's institutional inertia this is how it's been done for years and years and years and years and it's it's going to take a constant vigilance on the uh, uh, folks of uh, public interest uh, law firms and the like that are going to keep on having to keep on uh, litigate uh, newspapers and uh, boston globe boston herald all seeking this type of information and holding governmental and uh, institutions to the standards of the public records law, and um, it's a it's a ongoing and frustrating process because it, it it leads to a lot of delays and inefficiencies. But I agree with you. Uh, it would be better if they were um, uh, were to say, "Here's the arbitration award. This is the collective bargaining agreement we reached. We reached these decisions because of X, Y, and Z." Uh, I haven't seen that yet, uh, but and it's going to require some type of uh, questioning uh, on by somebody's part to see what the rationale is for the new collective bargaining agreement. Well, your answer kind of takes us a full circle to where we started, which is what is Pioneer Legal all about? Or, you know, why is uh, um, legal advocacy for the, the little guy, in this case, I suppose the taxpayers, the little guy, uh, why is it so important? And I think this case illustrates what's going on. Now, as you mentioned at the top of the show, you didn't win a legal argument, but rather the the, the information was voluntarily disclosed, but perhaps owing to the pressure applied by your legal challenge. Um, was it really just this one piece of arbitration you were trying to get, or does this help set a precedent for future 
um, disclosures. In other words, there may be a future uh, arbitration uh, agreement by the MBTA and its union in the future. Do you think your work and the work of this case will pave the way either for the MBTA to release it outright when it should, or for um, uh, a judge to say, look, uh, send Pioneer what they want because public public record laws require it. So are, are you trying to set a precedent for more ready access to public records? Yes, I mean, um, whether we can do so within the context of the current litigation uh, and get appellate further appellate review remains to be seen. We're, we're looking into that because there was an argument that the voluntary production of the document somewhat moots the case, but um, there is some other case law that allows us to seek further appellate review um, um, if we choose to. But yes, I mean, it's this type of vigilance and it's this type of adjudication holding people's feet to the fire, if you will, on the public records law that we hope to get more judicial awareness of the abuses and um, um, get some published decisions that that would assist Pioneer Legal or others in the area uh, have a clear defined gui guidepost as what's permitted, what's not permitted under the public records law, and, uh, and hopefully get more uh, the, the state and federal government to be more transparent as a result of that. So even though this case is theoretically mooted out, you may be able to have further appeals that can, let's say, memorialize the pre the principles and the precedents you've established with your work. Is that fair? That, that's is, a fair statement. Is, is, yeah. Okay. All right, so we're getting uh, to the end of our time together. So uh, this is not the only work you're doing. This is not the only case that Pioneer uh, is doing. So uh, for if we've piqued the interest of our listeners about um, your advocacy for transparency and public record access, uh, where can our listeners learn more about your work, uh, your legal work? Uh, again, we've had Judge Bailey on uh, as a guest, but where, where can we learn more about your work and Judge Bailey and others at Pioneer Legal? Uh, uh, we have our website, um, pioneerlegal.org, um, which we, um, and in a newsletter that we published on all the different uh, active cases that we're, we're involved in, proud to have, you know, we've had some really uh, nice outcomes uh, in the recent past at uh, the, the SJC on some tax cases and a um, um, free speech case um, um, where the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts found in our favor. Last week, we were on an amicus brief. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the headlines of uh, you know, uh, Grandma lost her house to a tax foreclosure in Minnesota. That's the Tyler case that was argued in the United States Supreme Court uh, on a tax taking. Uh, we have an amicus brief in that case as well. Uh, we have a similar couple cases here in Massachusetts that's pending in, in the United States District Court uh, against the town of Bolton and another uh, pending in bankruptcy court representing a, 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 a woman that was foreclosed upon, lost all her equity in the house when she, for a really nominal amount of real estate taxes, but literally lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity in her house as a result of the tax taking. And then uh, we're trying to right that wrong, if you will. So we're being very active um, and uh, we're blessed with a, a, a very good team uh, that has been working hard uh, to accomplish our goals. Good. Well, by, by my reckoning, you're uh, batting a thousand. Uh, I, I'm going to chalk this, uh, even though it was a voluntary compliance or voluntary uh, um, uh, release, uh, this was a definite win, uh, not just for Pioneer, but for all taxpayers and people who 
take an active role in, in sort of scrutinizing the work uh, that public officials do on our behalf with our money. So uh, thank you very much for uh, joining me today, John. This is this is a complex topic, but for our, our listeners who hung on, uh, I think uh, they were rewarded. And of course, they can learn more about your, your work uh, if they want to dig more deeply. Uh, so thank you for being on Hubwonk, John. You're welcome. My pleasure, Joe. Nice speaking with you. This has been another episode of Hubwonk. If you enjoyed today's show, there are several ways to support Hubwonk and Pioneer Institute. It would be easier for you and better for us if you subscribe to Hubwonk on your iTunes podcatcher. It would make it easier for others to find Hubwonk if you offer a five-star rating or a favorable review. If you have ideas or suggestions or comments for me regarding future episode topics, you're welcome to email me at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join me next week for a new episode of Hubwonk. Hubwonk.